Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for jumping on board. I'm Robert, and I'm here with my co-host of five years and my old friend going way back, R.G. Seal. How's it going, man? Going way back. That always reminds me of the way back machine, that Sherman and Peabody, right? Yeah, this is way way out of my league. Is, is the cartoon you're talking about? Rock, Rocky and Bullwinkle show, yeah. Oh, okay. The Sherman and Peabody, the time travel machine. It's called the way back machine. Way back. We go way back. Well, let's go uh, to a little bit forward in the calendar, and I, I just want to ask you, are you ready to watch first-round Rockets playoff games on your couch with LeBron in a few weeks? <laughs> Boy, I mean, that's really been kind of the shocker with the NBA. I think that LeBron James could potentially miss the playoffs. I mean, playoffs? You know, that's uh, It's pretty stunning because, I look, coming to the Los Angeles Lakers, I think a lot of people figured – well, you know, LeBron James, they'll be in the six, seven, or eight spot. They'll make the playoffs somehow. The Lakers have a lot of young talent surrounding LeBron. Uh, they brought in some veterans. And once LeBron got back from his injury, remember they were above 500 when he went down. People were just kind of expecting, well, you know, some of these other teams will come back down to earth. Well, now with a limited amount of time to play in the Los Angeles Lakers, as I'm seeing, what are they, five games back in the loss column from the number eight spot? I mean, they're literally going to have to play perfect basketball over the last few weeks of the season. They have still have a very tough schedule. You know, I mean, I, I don't put anything past LeBron, but I mean, pretty much, you know, everybody's stick a fork in them with the Lakers. But I would say the same thing, too. I mean, at this point, but it is LeBron and crazy things can happen and injuries can happen with other teams or other teams can have a slide and the Lakers could slip in there. But I mean, they're going to need to play almost perfect basketball. Just haven't seen it. And with, you know, Luke Walton there, you know, right now, it seems like he's going to be gone after the season. I don't know your thoughts on that. Like, they're even talking about what's going to happen in the front office because putting together this roster, even begin the season with the Lakers, they they added Rajon Rondo and Lance Stevenson and JaVale McGee. And yet they're still trying to develop the young talent like Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma along with him. So it's going to be very interesting because I was hoping, being a Rockets fan, I was kind of hoping that it would be a – you know, if there was anything that would be kind of exciting to watch, it would be the eight seed, the Los Angeles Lakers playing the number one seed, the Golden State Warriors. And they played the Golden State Warriors actually pretty well. So I was hoping that that would it, – it, to me, that's just much more exciting as a basketball fan, watching LeBron, watching one of the greatest players, and seeing – I know we have a lot of guys from Houston on the Los Angeles Clippers – that used to be Houston Rockets, like Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams. But come on, I, I would just much rather enjoy watching LeBron James play basketball. He's one of the all-time greats. You know, you're, that's who you're going to talk about saying, I watch LeBron James. So anyway, your thoughts on that. I kind of went off on a ramble there, but it's just been kind of shocking to me how the Lakers have dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah, and for you fans of the show, we're going to get into some more Houston stuff in a second, but... You know, I just had to kid RG because, you know, he's been uh, of the thought, I think, for a long time that LeBron's going to be in the playoffs no matter what. You know, my opinion has always been, you know, this is a young team. This is not the Eastern Conference anymore. You're you're not in Kansas anymore. So you're going to have a lot more tough teams out West. And I, I'm not, I'm not, frankly, all that surprised. And then LeBron has a real bad habit of throwing his teammates under the bus throughout seasons and tr trying to trade them off and trying to be LeBron, the GM. And you can do that maybe with some veteran guys and you can do that in the Eastern conference. But if you do that in the West and you do that with a young team that is likely to quit on you, if, if they hear wind of all this stuff, and especially when you're trying to trade the entire team, which is what he was doing. 
I mean, these guys are not known as defensive guys anyway. The only real defensive player that they had of the young guys was Lonzo. Uh, and then you had all those weird guys that they they got uh, in the offseason, which RGI told you it was stupid, all these guys that they got. You know, you could find guys uh, on one-year contracts to play with LeBron that were better than the guys that they had playing with them, and they just – they threw all that away. They, you know, even like somebody like Zubots that was starting to give them some good playing time or, you know, they've made some just look, the Lakers are not a well-run team anymore and they haven't been a well-run team for several years. And we, we can't assume that Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson, who've never run a front office in their life, were just going to walk in the door. I mean, Magic Johnson, look, I mean, great guy. I, I, he would be my number one pick of every player in NBA history to have on my team, I would pick him number one, but you know, he, he did have a talk show that didn't go all that well. And he's had some other issues. So, you know, and Rob Palenka, he was an agent. Like, I don't know what he knows about being a GM and, and none of this surprises me, frankly. Well, I will say a thing. I, I don't think that magic, I think that he'll be back with the Lakers next year. I mean, look, the guy brought in LeBron James over the offseason. And still, LeBron, I, everybody said, okay, LeBron's going to go to Los Angeles. He wants to embark on his entertainment career and do that. And he was kind of, like, destined to go there. But still, you know, somebody had to close with him. And Magic Johnson's one of the best closers in the business. He's He's been running the Dodgers organization as, you know, one of their uh, – brought in by the Guggenheim group, the, the ownership group, and Magic Johnson over there. He's had very successful business uh, – enterprises you're right he did have the failure with the talk show and and some you know a head coaching of the lakers but you know as far as a basketball guy you know that he knows basketball and you and i think it's really more you know but there is some blame to go there i do agree with you as far as what what magic johnson and rob palenka did during the offseason and how they addressed the team and bringing in a lot of these veteran guys who are kind of like short-term fixes who also are maybe some of the best team guys and guys who would help out with grooming younger players because the Lakers really their future is going to be even just developing their assets the old Daryl Mora thing develop your assets so that you can flip them for something better and that's what they were trying to do with Anthony Davis and that whole thing got public so everybody knew that the Lakers were trying to trade their basically their whole roster except for LeBron in order to get Anthony Davis and now they still need to go out and get some players but you want to have Magic Johnson there for free agents because remember when they had Jerry uh, Jim Buss uh, or excuse me Jim Buss's son Jerry Buss and Mitch Kupchak there, they just weren't getting free agents. Maybe they won't get them, but they've already proven, hey, we've gotten LeBron. LeBron will be here. He'll be able to, you know, meet with free agents too, along with the Lakers brass and Jeannie Buss running the organization. A lot of people have more confidence in her. So I think they have some positives going there, but they might make a switch at the GM. Rob Palenka, like you said, didn't have the experience coming in. So I think that there could be changes there coming for them in the in the offseason. You know, not only with the head coach, LeBron's going to have to have a head coach that he likes and wants to work with, but also potentially in the front office because they've got to, you know, send a signal organization, everybody be on the same page moving forward, adding free agents, making trades you know, improving the Lakers. Because, look, LeBron, we've seen this with Chris Paul with the Rockets, you know, getting in kind of the twilights of their career. You know, you want to be able to win right now. And and the Lakers' plan has always been for after this season. So they've got a lot of work to do. All right, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more Rockets later. But just want to remind everybody, if you're new to the Houston Sports Talk podcast, we welcome you. We hope to be your anecdote to 
traditional Houston sports radio. What I love about podcasts is you can listen anytime you'd like. You can pause or rewind if you get distracted. If you're getting into our conversation while you're driving and parking somewhere, you don't have to stop moving. You just take us with you to the grocery store, the gym, or wherever you're headed. And RG, one thing we've tried to do that's different from what we hear on traditional sports radio is make this family and female friendly. I'm not a fan of frat boy radio and judging from the crowds at sporting events, everybody loves sports. So why would you be embarrassed or even reticent to listen to Houston sports talk with your kids or your wife? So we hope RG, I I mean, I hope that that's something that, that we've brought a little bit of civility, I guess, to, to the Houston sports radio scene. Yeah. And you can always bleep us out, right. If we uh, say something that uh, is, needs to go get centered right so yeah we and we try to keep it clean as well yeah i mean we're not dropping f-bombs is what i'm saying no question about it and you know before i move on just a reminder to take a couple of seconds we always remind you at the end of the show but give us a five-star review on itunes we'd really appreciate it and if you missed it you you might want to download my interview with astro's legendary voice bill brown from a couple of days ago we always love having brownie on the show so go check that out and since i've got a Rockets guest lined up in tomorrow's podcast. We won't talk quite as much Rockets. So, and I want to start this with the Texans anyways, because they made a couple of splashes this week. It's about to really heat up with free agency. On Monday, NFL teams can start negotiating with unrestricted free agents. And at 3 p.m. Houston time, uh, Wednesday, you can start signing players. And RGI, I know Texans fans are celebrating Jadavian Clowney getting the franchise tag, the fan base doesn't want to throw a lot of guaranteed money at Clowney. Um, but as our friend and Texans beat writer John McClain pointed out, the team can still negotiate a long-term deal with him as this process moves along. That's, I think, the likely scenario. Also, as Troy from TexansCap.com pointed out, they've got until July 15th to sign an extension. Uh, so that, 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 I think, is still very likely to happen. That, that's, that's probably the likely scenario. I'm not sure that I'm in agreement with that. I mean, the franchise tag I could see for year to year. And I look, if Jadavion Clanny, you could get him for long term and it was a good deal. But he wants Khalil Mack money. That's what he's talking about. And I just don't – to me, that there's a certain price that you pay for this player. Look, we, we've seen him on the field. He can be exceptional, but he's also had periods where he's disappeared. He's getting older. He had that, that knee surgery his after his first year in the NFL when he hardly played his rookie season – because of that. So you have to just wonder like long-term shelling out a lot of money to somebody. But I mean, he's played for several years without the leg injury. I, I, I don't think that's a factor anymore, to be honest with you. Yeah. But microfracture surgery, if you remember reading about it, they say that you play well four or five years after it. And then there's potential of that's when it starts to show its effects. And, and that's what he had, that knee surgery, his very first season, his rookie season in the NFL. So, and, and he is getting older. So, I mean, you have to look at it with a long-term deal. All that matters is the guaranteed money, though, because, I mean, if you sign him to a long-term deal, but the first three years are the, where the money is guaranteed, and after that, it, it doesn't matter. And then you got Deshaun Watson well, that I, you're going to sign. I could see. I could see that, but you just don't want to be hit with that dead cap, you know, that money that that affects a salary cap in later years, even if it's like six or seven or eight million, because however much 10 million, I mean, that, 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 that takes its toll when you have a, you know, 55 man roster. Yeah. Usually the guaranteed money though is only the first, maybe three years of that. And then the deb, if there's any dead cap money, it's maybe a million or two later. Look at JJ's contract. I mean, that's a perfect example. 
Well, but also look at Brian Cushing before they could finally release him, and you were paying that money to him each oh, year. Uh, they, oh, they could have released him well before that. They they kept him around, to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, still, it would have counted if you look back on it. Wasn't it five or six million under the cap? There was it been a cap hit. Look, the Brian Cushing contract. It's another administration. It was stupid. It was because he was Brian Cushing, whatever that means. But I'm saying, I'm not, but even they have like Khalil Mack money for Jadavion Clowney, or I, he's not J.J. Watt either. I just don't pay him that type of money. And I think you have to sometimes say, I'd rather spread it around at other positions and then pay this much money, no matter how, look, the guy's a, a great talent, but you have to, you have to say, this is what I value him as. This is what he's worth. And if he's going to go for more than that, at least franchising it and you're trying to win this year, I can understand that. And if, like you said, if it's front-loaded and short-term, I just would have to see the contract. But, I mean, and I have to see how they, they do it. But even – you don't want to even be with a lot of – you want to be able to have flexibility. I've just seen the way that teams win, like your New England, your successful franchises like Seattle, your franchises like uh, you know Pittsburgh – you know, they, they're they're OK with saying goodbye to certain guys. They sign a few of them and they say goodbye to others and they fill out their teams with depth. And I, I would just rather be able to have that depth on the roster. Well, if- the, the franchise, though, RG works fine if you got a player that is like willing and, and they understand the business side and they don't get pissed at you. But there could be backlash with Clowney. That's what you're risking by saying, well, we're just going to franchise him i mean i don't know if it's going to be a Lavian bell situation but that that's the risk well then it, if it is then it's a guy who's you know that's another thing you have to take into consideration too that is this guy really a team player is this somebody that you want long term because i know that if you franchise certain guys they just say i'm suiting up i'm getting paid i'm one of the average of the top salaries at this position and i'm going to go out and do my best and then when i am a free agent i'm going to go out and get the money that uh, i merit instead of like the people that look at it like, oh my gosh, they did a disservice to me. I'm going to sit out. I'm not going to play. You know, I'm only going to, when the bell rings, that's when I'm going to start playing. That's part of been the problem with Jadavian Clowney in some aspects. He's not always fully motivated. And, you know, if that's going to be something that gnaws at him, that, that's another thing that's going to make me kind of question long-term money and dollars to him. And look, I, I, I love watching the guy. He's an exceptional athletic talent. When J.J. Watt was out that year, I mean, defenses had to plan around him. They still do. I'm just telling you my concerns with these long-term contracts and the money allocated to them. And you know, I would just, with especially knowing that I want to sign – Deshaun Watson, when he becomes available, and he's going to command a lot of money. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, because he's he already got the contract extension, one of the best receivers. You still have J.J. Watt, who's playing at an exceptional level. So there's only a certain amount of guys that you can sign. And then when other guys come up for free agency, you know, like what we're having right now with Teran Matthew, you want to be able to have some money for a guy like that. You know, whoever, you know. You might be able to want to attract in free agency, have more depth at position. So if the price is right for Jadavian Clowney, I'm fine with it. But if he's talking Khalil Mack money, I mean, that's that, that to me is something that I, I just don't put him in the same category as uh, Khalil Mack or J.J. Watt when he was Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I just have to see how there's – you're talking – you kept saying Khalil Mack money. I, you have to, I have to know how the contract is structured. I haven't looked at Khalil Mack's uh, – the way they've structured his contract, but – Again, let me see if you talk about a longer-term contract. Again, if the money is front-loaded in the three years, it's the first three years that you really want to get it all done with because at that point, Deshaun uh, comes up. And I still think he's got three years left despite the the leg injury. And he's kind of a freak of an athlete anyway. I mean, yeah, you can 
every guy you can be concerned about injuries, but let, let me see what the long-term deal is before we just poo-poo the idea of a long-term deal. Let's get to the other move the Texans uh, made uh, because they released former first-round cornerback Kevin Johnson, which, you know, for most people, it's a no-brainer. It was the last year of his deal. He was due to make $9 million. It wasn't guaranteed. RG, they can still re-sign him at a much cheaper number, but this was an easy call. He just couldn't stay on the field. He missed 29 games over the last three years, 29 games. Yeah, unfortunately, he's been pretty much a bust because he was drafted around the same time as uh, Marcus Peters, right, with uh, Kansas City. Uh, you know, of course, he's been traded to the Rams since then. But, you know, Kevin Johnson, just uh, he just has never been able to stay on the field. You know, if you were to do the what they call the redraft, I mean, the guy, you know, would be a mid to late round pick and not a first round pick. So it's just, yeah, like you said, for the amount of money that he wants and, and what he is doing uh, at what he's done on the field and his injury history, it was a no-brainer. The other thing that really stinks is, you know, the Texans so badly need good quarterbacks right now. And, you know, you, you, you uh, could really use it. They drafted him uh, in the first round and you saw the real potential that he had after that first season when he played every game. So there was potential, it looked like, after year one. And then the injuries just, I mean, you know, can't stay on the field. You can't stay on the field. I mean, the other Texans news, uh, Kareem Jackson on Instagram says he's 99% sure his tenure in Houston is over. Uh, the Chronicles' Aaron Wilson says the Texans are negotiating with Tyron Matthews' agent and hope to get a deal done before March 13th. Not really a surprise with Matthew. Uh, RG, I, I guess when I look at this, though, if they're not looking at Kareem and the Ty Matthew thing doesn't work out because there are other teams already talking about coming after him. I mean, they're, it's not just the Texans. There are other guys on the market. You just have to be careful. You can't put all your eggs in the Ty Matthew. I think you need to keep the lines open with Kareem Jackson if the Ty Matthew money gets out of hand. And you also got to be talk, You got to be ready to talk to some of these other safeties that are out there. You know, now Landon Collins is available. Uh, Earl Thomas is available. There are guys out there now at, at the safety position that are really, really good in, in the Ty Matthew conversation that the Texans, they need to keep an open line. Don't get caught up. Don't get securely focused on Ty Matthew. And don't just, you know, close the door on Kareem Jackson without knowing what's going to happen in free agency. I mean, I think you still have to be talking to Kareem. And I think Kareem's not going to be one of those first guys to jump off the board. I, I, you know, I, I would be surprised if he was. Well, for starters, Teron Matthew, he came from Arizona where he was coached by Bruce Arians. So there's rumors now that Bruce Arians, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that he that they're going to be hot and heavy after Kareem, excuse me, after uh, the Honey Badger, Teron Matthew. And then also a Baltimore now uh, is another team that's rumored to be interested. So you're right. I mean, it could be where just he kind of prices himself out of the Texans range. They got to be able to have backup plans, but that's what good front offices do. They, you know, they see if he, if, if Ram Matthew gets to the market and it looks like he, you know, is talking heavily with other teams and you have to be able to shift. And yeah, like you said, go after an Earl Thomas who, you know, went to the university of Texas from Texas before another team like the Cowboys maybe snaps him up. So yeah, you, you definitely have to look at your other options there. More Texans news. Also, we've got, uh, you know, free agency. Like I said, it's so close here. Um, and assuming they signed Tyron Matthew uh, with free agency happening uh, next Wednesday, like I said, Monday, you're going to start hearing uh, guys already talking. Actually, we'll probably hear like, oh, th that deal's already a done deal. We're just going to be waiting for it. It's just like NBA free agency. It, it, it doesn't. Uh, come become official to July 1st, but 
you're going to hear that the stuff is going to get done. So, RG, let me ask you this. What three positions do the Texans go for in free agency? Or see if you disagree with my logic here, because uh, I'm going to give you my three. And a quick aside, I do not see them signing an offensive lineman. I'd almost be shocked if they did. They won't overpay at that position. It's supposed to be a deep draft for linemen. So my three positions are, number one, cornerback, fingers crossed with that. <laughs> number two, tight end with blocking skills. To me, that's still you know an urgent thing, even though you, know, you might have to pay a bunch for that. I think they need to go out and grab that, and I, I'm kind of feeling like they will. And then number three, you know, running back. They could use the depth. You don't know what, what with Deontay Foreman, Lamar Miller. You know, he's another year older. So th- those are my three. Those are the big three I would start with. Well, I would start with cornerback safety. Yeah, that's uh, secondary. Uh, then because this draft is a great draft for offensive linemen, that doesn't, doesn't mean that you can never have enough good offensive linemen. So two would be the offensive linemen. Uh, you know, go uh, look for, you know, guys who – guards and tackles who might be out there that you can add uh to bolster that depth and and then third i would agree with you probably i'd be looking for a running back who who could be a value especially they're going to go with a series of backs like um lamar miller still and somebody better you know I, potentially i still think they'll do that late in the draft like one of the later rounds look for a running back but also uh, in free agency would be good to get somebody too who's out there that could kind of give you you know that depth at the running back spot yeah I understand what you're saying about the offensive line and you can never have too many and I I get all that but they've got these guys signed they got guys that they're they feel like can handle what they do and this is my thought process on this offensive lineman in the free agent market like I said, they're not good bargains. Let's put it that way. They're not good bargains at all. And, and, and here's the other deal. Like, yeah, they're going to go get depth guys, but I'm talking about this is more about March. Uh, you know, they're going to get some depth guys probably. You'll hear after the draft, you know, these guys that are back end of the roster guys that they're going to get. But I just see them going after. This is a thing where this is a great offensive line draft. And you get an offensive lineman in free agency, you're going to throw way too much, like a Nate Solder last year. You're just going to throw way too money, much money at, at, at somebody like that. I, the big name offensive linemen are going to cost you, and I don't think the Texans want to do that. Look, if you're a smart organization, you find the value there. You, 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 again, this gets back to metrics. This gets back to the new wave GMs, the analytics, being able to assess and put a value towards a player. You're not going to overpay a player, and that generally is what will happen at the beginning of free agency. But there, there are definitely some free – You know, I think there are going to be some offensive linemen out there. And you can't expect somebody to come in, even if it's a first- or second-round pick, maybe they be offensive tackle and start. But, I mean, you've seen the Texans over the years, You know, even drafting third-rounders, fourth-rounders, they aren't ready to play in the NFL right away. And this offensive line needs improvement. It's the, it's the area of the team that needs the most improvement. So to me – and you, and again, in the first or second round, let's say there's somebody on the board. I, I believe in the first or second round they will get an offensive tackle because it's a deep draft. But if there's somebody there that's you know that you weren't expecting at another position, that's just some freak of nature that did just drop because teams were going out and either getting needs at quarterback or needs at receiver or whatever it might be. You want to be able to have that flexibility to take that player or at least drop down in the draft and maybe pick up some future picks. So it, again, it, it means. That to me, that's why I would still look to get some kind of offensive lineman to add as a starter, whether it's a guard or a tackle, plus yeah, address that in the draft. 
here's the thing. I, I wasn't judging this on what I think I would do or you would do. And this is about this isn't about what I, I or you would do. I, I don't think the Texans are going to draft anybody that they expect to come in and start. I mean, I think they're going to try to make Julian Davenport work and see if he does so. I think they're going to try to make Chantrell Henderson on the right tackle work. That's, I think, the more likely scenario is somebody replaces him. But this is the deal, RG, with, with the offensive linemen in the draft. If you get the right guys, we see it all over the NFL. They come in and start. You know, Dwayne Brown wasn't great out of the, out of the box, but Dwayne Brown was, was okay. He was serviceable in his first year at tackle. Eric Winston was very good at tackle. I mean, he started off out of the box, I thought, and he was pretty good. Charles Spencer was going to be a good tackle. You know, yeah, the ones that don't work out of the box and, and that aren't are maybe the guys that aren't ever going to be good, like Nick Martin or Xavier Suofilo or some of the guys that the Texans and Rick Smith have drafted. But you can find those guys. I mean, we, we see it all the time, guys, in the first, second, third round offensive linemen that could come in and, and they're ready to play. Are they going to be great the first four or five games of the season? Not likely, but I think at some point you could have a guy that comes in and, and by the end of the season, he could be really good. Well, I, 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 said, I, I said that. I said you can find somebody in the first or second round that could come in and start possibly. But again, like, you know, when they drafted Julian Davenport, wasn't he a fifth round pick? He was more of a project and he's supposed to be ready now. But do you really have that confidence in him? I'm just saying that if you can go out and get a veteran at the right price who's out in the and we don't know again, the offense, the, the market changes in free agency from season. You know, it, we don't know what uh, teams are going to go after here initially, what they're going to spend their money on, who might drop, who might. You know, last season it was the all because of Nate Solder and, like you said, high-profile guys like that. But there were still offensive linemen to, to be had that could co- come in and, and start and, and be effective contributors. And so that's what I'm saying, that, you know, the, the Texans can target those plus the draft. And, you know, you get more depth for your offensive line and you fill because to me, the Texans, the teams that win, win in the trenches. They need to build up the offensive line. And I didn't say it, but I still think they need to build up the defensive line and get defensive depth. Because, again, if they don't sign Javon Clanny to a long term contract and J.J. Watt, we know he played well last season, looked like his NFL MVP form again. He looked like he was in that form again. And that, but then you had Christian Covington you know, being out for the season or a large part of the season. I mean, you can really build up that defensive line linebacker depth as well, too, and, you know, kind of build up in offensive line, defensive line build up in the trenches. And it's a good defensive line draft, so you know that's something to consider too. But you I mean, can't you can't fill everything in the draft. You just mentioned tight end, you mentioned running back, you mentioned offensive lineman. We're drafting a tackle or two. Definitely need to get a no, 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 no. I, I said tight end and running back in free agency. I, I think that's where you can fill some gaps in, and and some of these you, you can fill in in free agency. But I just know the draft. I think cornerback, offensive line, and again, this is a big defensive line draft. So don't be surprised if they go there. Uh, yeah, you could fill those other positions too, but I think that's what you can focus on. And and you also said uh, safety. I'm, I, I said uh, to start with, just assuming that they sign Matthew, that they don't go after safety. Obviously, if the Matthew thing falls through, then yeah, you got to go out and sign somebody. No question about that. I'm going to give you two names at a position that we haven't talked about, RG, that I'd like to see upgraded. Either Tyrod Taylor or Ryan Fitzpatrick would be a big upgrade over Brandon Whedon. Maybe the Jags are... Redskins sign them as placeholders because we know what a trash heap that they've got at quarterback right now for those two teams. Hey, well, I want to ask you about that. What do you think of uh, Jacksonville and getting Nick Foles and what that means for the division? If they get Nick Foles, that's huge. But 
that's the thing. Nick Foles is going to one of those two teams. I think Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick, got to, they're going to be backups in the league somewhere because there's not many teams that are looking for starters. Right, you go through all the teams. It's this is unusual where we we've got most teams that have got their starter that you know is going to be the starter from day one. Um, so I, I I believe that either Tyrod Taylor, or Ryan Fitzpatrick are going to be available, and to me that's where the Texans can upgrade. Fitzy is familiar with Houston, and Tyrod Taylor would be the perfect type of player that. Uh, you know, to do the same thing, type of things that Deshaun Watson could do as a quarterback. Yeah, well, I mean, again, you're talking about with Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's somebody that has previously been the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans, knows the system, knows Bill O'Brien. So I could see that more uh, happening a lot more than and plus he's at the stage of his career where you know, being a backup, and, and he was an effective backup, you know, behind Jameis Winston and even, you know, was starting for a period of time. And a, a lot of people thought when, you know, Jameis Winston came back, you know, Brian Fitzpatrick should be back in there. So I, as opposed to Tyrod Taylor, I mean, I understand that would still probably be an improvement on, on Brandon Whedon, but the coaching staff seems to love Brandon Whedon. And he's, you know, so I, I don't, to me, I would probably, if asking, give me the pick of those i would probably say it to have ryan fitzpatrick back because uh you know and not as a starter we we knew he was a journeyman and uh, inconsistent as a starter but wait wait wait! you don't want to start him over to sean watson is yeah. that what you're telling me yeah exactly but i mean coming back as a texan said you know so we'll see what they they do and who knows they in the later rounds they uh, texans might draft a quarterback too you never know you can never have that's what uh hey that's what new england always does with bill belichick always looking for guys to draft and develop and you know we know deshaun watson is a franchise quarterback here he's the guy you're building your franchise around but it's always good to uh you know as we've seen again from the new england model have those backups that you can you know use as trade bait and they look effective in the preseason or mop-up duty of games and get something of value back from them Okay, I think we're going to save uh, our Astros stuff for a couple of days, but we got to talk some Rockets, RG, because I know they've had a couple of really big wins, one against Boston, the other against Toronto, and they're playing great right now. I mean, what do you think about what you're seeing from the Rockets at this point? What did we say at the beginning of the season? What did we say when he came back? Is Chris Paul still a superstar? This guy has played extremely well. He's looked like a superstar. He's looked like the second best player on the Rockets. Uh, next to James Harden, who's, you know, in MVP discussion, still carrying the team, still putting up like phenomenal outings. <laughs> you know, we're dropping these uh, big point totals, even though he doesn't have a 30 game streak anymore. He started a new one. And then being able to get uh, contributions from the surrounding cast because Chris Paul involves more of the players around him. He involves the bench when he's out there with the second unit. He's also a great distributor, one of the all-time leading uh, point guards in NBA history. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we know how good Chris Paul is. The big thing is, say it, he's healthy. He's healthy. That's 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 the whole key for how good the Rockets are. But, but you were even saying, no, 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 wait a second here. You even saying at the beginning of the season, remember they said he was healthy and he's fine. He didn't look like the same Chris Paul. You were saying Father Time's already catching up to this guy. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, Father Time's already catching up. He's slowing down and he's supposedly healthy. And now he's back and he's you know playing again. And, oh, he's looking like, oh, now, oh, yeah, it's Chris Paul. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Well, I can't have it both ways because I'm, I'm not saying it both ways. I'm, I'm thinking maybe at the beginning of the season, he wasn't right. And that's how he got, that's why well, but he no, got hurt. You were saying, you were, there, was, there were no questions about his health at that point. You were saying, look, maybe Father Time has caught up with this guy. Maybe he's just not as good. Maybe that's, he's just signed this big contract and he's not as good. I'm saying the good part about this right now is he's looking as a healthy individual, as playing out there on the court. We don't know, you know, any Nixon 
cuts and scratches and <laughs> any kind of injuries, he's looking like the old Chris Paul, which is key for the Rockets. So because remember, they even at the beginning of the season when they had Chris Paul out there and Clint Capella and James Harden last season, that was almost the Rockets were invincible with that lineup. They weren't even the few times that they had that in the beginning of the season and they had that 11 and 14 record. So for whatever reason, they started off slowly and Chris Paul and people were already saying, you know, hey, he's not the second best player on the Rockets anymore. I'm just saying he's reestablished himself as a superstar level player that that number two guy. That that Robin to James Harden's Batman. All right, you you had some questions for me. Well, I had a question for you because you've always been so much, and I mean, it's a Daniel House. Every interview you do, every uh, thing you always bring Daniel House up. My my feeling on this is, even if he were to come back, and I want to ask you this: Look, I mean, now that Eric Gar- Gordon's in the starting lineup, and you know they they've had Kenneth Fareed in the starting lineup when he's healthy. Uh, you know, where uh, would you still be playing Daniel House? To me, he maybe lost his opportunity. He lost his golden ticket when he decided to do with his agent this contract battle, because even if he comes back, you're looking at a Rockets, you know, a rotation or that they, a starting rotation that they probably aren't going to change because James Harden, Chris Paul, correct, P.J. Tucker, uh, Eric Gordon and Clint Capella. And then coming off the bench, you, you traded for Iman Schumpart. You, you still are playing Gerald Green. Of course, you have Austin Rivers. Uh, you have Kenneth Fareed. I mean, nine, ten guys that you can play there. And then, you know, Daniel House, yes, he was effective on defense. He was effective as part of the rotation. But we know how Mike D'Antoni is. What have you done for me lately? Do you do you still think he would be a significant 30 to 35-minute player coming back into this rotation? First of all, even if he's just 25 or 30 minutes, I don't care. I mean, I, I, to me, he's better than Austin Rivers. He's better. I, in fact, I don't think Austin Rivers has looked all that great since the first few games that he's played. Austin Rivers is not a good three-point shooter. He hasn't been a good three-point shooter with the Rockets. Uh, he's not good defensively. He's he's tough defensively, but with all the switching that you do, Austin Rivers can't handle that. He's too small. He's not great enough offensively to overcome any of that. And you look at somebody like uh, Gerald Green, he's not good de- defensively. He's never been good defensively. We know but this. But you have Iman Shupart now that they traded for right before the trade deadline. Yeah, Iman Shumpert is not. He's first of all, Iman Shumpert's terrible offensively. Daniel House was shooting forty percent from three. Uh, Iman Shumpert. He, this isn't Draymond Green or PJ Tucker. He's a he's an all right defensive player, but he's not anything special. And Daniel House showed me. You know, he he was in the category of Iman Shumpert, but he's so much better offensively, you talk about Kenneth Farid in the starting lineup. He's in the starting lineup with certain matchups, but that's it. I mean, they need to take some pressure off of P.J. Tucker. They've taken pressure off of him, continue to take pressure off of him because obviously he's played way better since they've done that. His numbers have gone up. His three-point percentage has gone up. Uh, him not playing the center and even even less at the four than you, you've had him play, or banging against big guys, but... Uh, Daniel House gives you another guy at the wing position that you can help out and take a little bit of that pressure off uh, off of uh, PJ Tucker. And I'm sorry, look, Daniel House showed me, but he showed you through he showed you through a limited amount of time. He's he's bounced around from different teams. He was cut by Golden State. I mean, look, the, I'm I'm not downing. Look, he played great for the Rockets in, in a period of time. He, you know, and he's been down in the G League and doing that. I'm just saying, if he comes back, you're Mike D'Antoni. And you know how these coaches in the NBA operate. You've got this guy, Iman Shupert, who's played on you know the Cavaliers teams with LeBron James and also played with him back in New York. And then you have Austin Rivers, who's you know, 
coach's son that you know came over that you picked up as midseason average. All these guys, you know, weren't there when Daniel House was playing. So he gets back. I'm, you know, I don't say it's not automatic. He gets 20, 25 minutes in there. Maybe he goes with Gerald Green because again, he he's been through the playoffs. He's made big shots. Offense were there. So I mean, Mike D'Antoni, if he's not, if you're not putting Daniel House in the starting lineup, which you wouldn't in this scenario, which I just laid out there, with your, which they're presently starting with Capella, with Tucker, with uh, Chris Paul, uh, with uh, James Harden, of course, uh, and uh, uh, Eric Gordon. You know, then off the bench i mean that's what you're going to be looking at and trying and we know mike d'antoni likes seven eight man rotations when it gets to even be the playoffs so and even i mean gary clark has gotten a few minutes in these games but that's because fareed and uh and iman schubert have been out so i'm just wondering where those minutes are even if daniel house comes in and plays it's going to be significantly reduced from what he was before that's my point about this because we know coaches like to go with veteran players ones that have been there before and for and and they have kind of these guys that they added that weren't really there when House was there. So all I'm saying is that you know that gamble when he was in the rotation, he was playing really well by his agent. You know the standoff with the Rockets, maybe that doesn't benefit him. In, you know in the uh, for this season or even in the long run because you know some other guy could ace him out of that position. Yeah, he's going to get some playing time because this is the Rockets. Guys get hurt. Uh, he will get it. He will get a chance to get back in there. There will be guys that will get hurt in the playoffs. Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, we know this. We've seen it over and over and over again. But it doesn't matter because Daniel House isn't going to be – they're not going to be able to bring him back for the playoffs anyways. I mean, it's not going to happen. I mean, if the, if the contract was going to happen, if it was going to get done, it would have happened Well, that's now. what I'm saying. And some of the moves that Daryl Morey made, getting Schubert, uh, Austin Rivers, and Kenneth Fareed, all these guys adding them to the team, it's made them less dependent or reliant upon having to you know give that contract to house so it's been kind of a shame because i like you i really liked watching him i'm just saying i'm looking at everything here and how that would be and even if he were to come back to the team and they were to add him you you didn't you didn't see dan tony the other day say i would like to give gerald green more time but his defense i mean he didn't say it sucks but basically he was saying it sucks but who's a defensive specialist that they added they added iman schumpert right yeah, but schumpert look he's not like i said I watched Daniel House enough to know, look, you, there, if you say, oh, Daniel House can't keep up the three-point shooting, I go, okay, maybe, that, maybe you're right. Maybe he can't keep up 40% three-point shooting. If he made it, if it was like 38 or 36, he would still be better than almost every other Rocket that's on the roster right now. But, um, if you, but look, uh, as far as defensively what I saw from Daniel House, that, that stuff is not just something that happens inconsistently see inconsistently unless you say he just he stops trying like all of a sudden he's going to stop trying no he was but consistently if you're Mike, the inter- he was consistently good through all that time and Iman Shumpert he's terrible offensively i've look we watched him with the, the the Cleveland Cavaliers i don't care about his experience with Cleveland you had LeBron James but he also played with D'Antoni in New York too so he's used to the system and he's been with D'Antoni as a coach before i don't even think Iman Shumpert if everybody's healthy isn't even in the rotation i don't even think he's even even in the rotation when the playoffs come around that's a fair point he might not be and i'm just saying maybe it's not a lock that daniel has maybe they want to play gary clark they have a little bit here too i'm just saying that they have some other options besides daniel house that's my my whole point here is what they did and removing him from the roster and the agent not signing the contract and the rockets saying we're we're laying the line down here right now because we don't want future players to do this to kind of almost blackmail us to give us you know 
for their kind of free when we offer a multi-year contract to a guy who you know we basically picked up after he was away from another team helped develop that player you know we we want something uh, in return too if we're offering you a multi-year contract if you're not going to take that we're not going to just let you walk as as a free agent and get some big contract somewhere else so that's it's kind of that stand up i'm just wondering if they overplayed their hand because even coming back not sure that he would get the minutes or even, you know, be part of the Rockets rotation. The thing is, he's going to be back next year with the Rockets because the way Daryl Morey has set it up, you know, they're going to they're going to try to keep him. And Austin Rivers, he might be somewhere else next year. You don't know. There's uh, Fareed might be somewhere else. These guys can go into free agency. The Rockets don't have a ton of money to offer. We got we got to keep that in mind as well. It's going to be difficult to keep some of these guys that they picked up off the waiver wire throughout the season. So. Uh, there's a lot to be discussed about the offseason, but yeah, I, th- I just think Daniel House is better than most of the guys that they've got coming off the bench, if not all of them. You know, Fareed's a whole other animal, manimal, but... Uh, Quickly before you wrap it up, where do you think the Rockets, I mean, juggling for this, I think that one or two, that's pretty much out of the realm of possibility. Uh, especially we were talking about like before with the Lakers trying to jump into the eighth spot, but the Rockets to get all the way up to the two spot, but they're basically tied for the third spot right now, third, fourth, fifth with uh, Oklahoma city and Portland. How do you like the Rockets in that mix? And, and of course, Utah's not very far behind them either. No, I mean, I, I definitely feel like that the Rockets uh, still have a chance to catch the Nuggets. I mean, they're, they're not too far behind the Nuggets where that's impossible. The Nuggets have a difficult schedule the rest of the way. They have the seventh most difficult schedule, whereas the Rockets have the 21st most difficult schedule. What about Portland? I was looking at their their schedule. They've got a pretty easy schedule. Yeah, well, the Rockets are in a dead heat with them, and their schedule is equivalent to the Rockets. They've got about the 20th uh, most difficult schedule. The Rockets have the 21st most difficult schedule. I, I think, you know, right now it's definitely in play for them to overtake Portland. And yeah, they can... Absolutely, they can catch Denver. I, I don't think because I thought they were four games back in the lost column as we're recording this of Denver, but maybe I'm mistaken. Four games is not insurmountable. I mean, it's not. And and if you beat Denver when you play Denver, then you've got the tiebreaker over them. And they don't have the tiebreakers right now versus Oklahoma City and Portland. So I have to remember that. So that I mean, the Rockets really kind of dug themselves a hole early in the season, but it's just been phenomenal how they've been able to play so well lately. You're right, though. There are four four games in the loss column. The the Rockets have 25 losses on Wednesday here and 21 losses by the Nuggets. So yeah, it, it's it's not likely, but it's still I still think it's possible, and you can hand them one loss yourself. So that that'll be helpful to try to catch them. Um, and the Rockets are you know they're playing really strong basketball right now, and most importantly on the defensive end, and that's what we haven't seen. We're gonna talk more Rockets tomorrow. Make sure you tune into that show. We're going to have a guest. We're going to talk some Astros in a couple of days. Again, go look back. Find the Brownie interview from a couple of days ago if you missed it. We'll talk to you again really soon, though. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. Give us a five-star review on iTunes when you get the chance and tell your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm Max Friedman. And I'm Eli Blackwith. We're hosts of Tackling the Texans, brought to you by the Pulse Podcast Network. If you love the Houston Sports Talk podcast, then you should go ahead and listen to our weekly podcast where we talk about everything exciting around the NFL and what it means for Houston. We keep you updated on all things Texans with interesting debates and hot takes. 
making sure to bring on NFL experts from around the industry to keep you connected. Subscribe to Tackling the Texans on Apple Podcasts or give us a listen on any available platforms.